Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. Thanks so much for joining us here on this program. We really do appreciate the fact that you folks uh, listen to these programs. And how do I know that you're listening? Well, I take a look at the podcast stats, and we are fast approaching... Oh, my goodness. I, thank God I'm sitting down. 64,000 listens in just over four years, which for I don't know what the number means. All I know is that you folks are listening. And on YouTube, you're, li- you're listening and watching as well. Those numbers are going up. And I, I can't thank you enough for doing that. We are here to bring you uh, choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And today, uh, our choice is Noah Hammond Terrell of Feel Good Hemp and FeelGoodLibrary.org. Uh, Noah, thank you so much for joining us here on the program. You got it, Richard. Thanks for having me. And hello, everybody who's listening. Well, uh, we're going to talk about a lot of different things, but um, we want to talk, of course, about your story and, and the various elements therein. Um, and talk about what Feel Good Hemp and Feel Good Library are all about. So uh, maybe we should start there with, let's define those two terms or websites in terms of what people will find there, and then also tell us so that I know which website I should link to uh, or I should link uh, on our website to so that folks can go there and find out more information about both. Absolutely. Uh, So Feel Good Hemp. Dot org is where you find our hemp CBD products. And then feelgoodlibrary.com is where we have an entire library of personal development tools and techniques, guided meditations, all kinds of different modalities to help you feel good naturally. So we are a company on a mission to help people feel good naturally. And of course, we have our hemp CBD products because of the myriad of benefits people can get from those products. And I truly believe that hemp CBD products alone are no magic bullet. There are a lot of layers to a human being and we are multidimensional beings. We have a lot of different uh, aspects to ourselves that when you address ourselves holistically with the other tools and techniques we give out at Feel Good Library, that's how you can really feel good naturally. And you know, our mission is to help people feel good, not have to take our products because they're in some sort of major health crisis, but take them because they're just a fantastic supplement for optimal wellness and they're feeling so good. Their life is thriving, right? We don't want you sick. We want you thriving. So that's why we offer all these different tools and techniques on top of our products. That's the key word right there. Thriving, thriving. We don't, it's, I'm just going to say it this way, Noah. I have had it up to here, the brim of my hat, uh, with surviving <laughs> enough already. Let's start thriving, enjoying the life that we've been given. Uh, And uh, you, being the co-founder and CEO of Feel Good Hemp, which is the only hemp product company products company that offers, as you've already mentioned, a free self-help platform and community to its clients, the Feel Good Library, uh, which folks you can go to, and I had this incorrect, feelgoodlibrary.com. It's feelgoodhemp.com. Dot org. Yes, sir. <laughs> and uh, you are um, an, uh, originally from New Jersey, although I can barely tell that you're from New Jersey. <laughs> and you live right now in the mountains of Utah with your wife, Danielle. And I got to tell you, I love your little girl's name. Lakshmi. Lakshmi. Yes. yes. Lakshmi. 
uh, <laughs> I believe is that not the god in Hindu uh, philo- uh, uh, tradition, the uh, goddess of um, what is it? Abundance or prosperity? Prosperity, abundance, and and that's uh, spiritual abundance and prosperity as well as material, primarily spiritual because that's really what it's all about. Yeah. But yes, beauty and abundance and prosperity. Very cool. I have a niece uh, by the name of Danielle. Uh, so, um, you know, we, we got we got a connection here. Although, yeah. I have to tell you, you got a great beard going there, folks. If you're watching the YouTube channel, <laughs> you can see that. If you're not, you better go to the YouTube channel to watch and see uh, Noah. Uh, but I, see I gotta the t- glory. See the glory of <laughs> Noah. Absolutely. But, Noah, I really think you need to take the, the roof to the next level. I agree. I agree. I'm, I'm, I'm actually, this is long for me. I didn't get prepped for our interview in time. I, you, you need I a haircut. As, Richard. So your father would say, Noah, you need a haircut. That's right. <laughs> well, it's really a pleasure to have you here, but you yourself have been on a, quite a quest or journey, if you will. Uh, and that has to do with a time when you were Basically, in in a manner of speaking, I'm going to put it this way, you were in a a very good place. You were at the bottom, rock bottom. And the beauty of that, as the old saying goes, no place to go but up, right? Tell us about how, how you got to the bottom and then you worked your way up out of that well. Absolutely, man. So I was newly married, living in L.A., and I was running a marketing company for other spiritual thought leaders, transformational coaches, people who have you know books and, and coaching programs and whatnot. I had been a spiritual life and business coach myself for you know a number of years at that point, and I was doing such a good job of my own marketing that I had other people asking me to do it for them. So I said yes, and I built this big company and had a team of 10 people and all this going on, and I made some poor decisions and completely bankrupt the company in a matter of weeks. Right. So I'm literally looking at an empty bank account, 200 bucks to my name, rent coming due. And that alone had me at a little bit of a version of rock bottom. But then real rock bottom came when I got the phone call from my mom that my dad was extremely sick and I had to come down to San Diego right away that he's in the hospital and it was bad. Right. So that was my second time on my knees for that in that same week. And I scooped myself up and headed down to San Diego. And when I got to the hospital and laid eyes on my dad, you know, it was bad, right? He, he's a big guy, six foot seven, larger than life, big personality. And he was laid up. He had lost 60 pounds in a month. His skin was all gray. He was all lifeless looking. And one of the first things he told me, he was like, it's cancer. And I could see the fear. I could see he was almost apologetic in the way he sounded. And it was really hard to see him that way. So we go out in the hallway and the doctors, the prognosis is, sir, you have three months to live. It wasn't, here's how we're going to help you. Or here's what we're going to try. It was, it's stage four liver cancer. You have a tumor on your liver about the size of a football and you have three months to live, like get your affairs in order. Right? So we're out in the hallway and talking with family and everyone's kind of like resigned a little bit. Oh, you know, if it's dad's time to go, it's dad's time to go. We got to help him be peaceful with it. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, friggin' right, man. I'd already done training <laughs> with holistic healers who cured all kinds of incurable things. And I just knew better. So, and, and call it the consummate optimist in me 
whatever it is. I just, I had a different idea. So I went home, started researching, decided what, you know, what kind of game plan are we going to take? And the two things that really like stood out, stood out as this is the way to go. Um, one was a, a hemp oil protocol with both THC and CBD. It's uh, something that a lot of people call the Rick Simpson protocol, or you call Rick Simpson oil, hemp oil. They're the same thing, but this this guy, Rick Simpson, this Canadian man, sort of popularized its healing properties in, in the modern, uh, you know, the modern mimetic, right? Like he was the guy who said, hey, guys, look what this can do. So I knew about that, dug a little deeper. I'm like, yes, we're going that direction. And then the other thing that we went with was actually vegetable juicing. Uh, my wife had healed herself from Epstein-Barr syndrome using vegetable juicing. Uh, I knew the power of juicing to heal the body was very much you know, there. And uh, we talked to a naturopathic doctor and focused them specifically on beets and carrots because those are both very good for the liver. Right. So as soon as my dad got out of the hospital, we started pumping them full of hemp oil and, <laughs> and lots of beets and carrot juice. And, you know, my dad is a guy from, you know, Queens, New York. He's a stubborn mule sometimes. And one of the hardest things is actually to get him to drink the juice. Right. Like mm. he took a sip of it. He, oh, ooh, so gross. Knock, you know, and I'm saying, dad, I don't care if it tastes like horse's ass. If it's this or dying, <laughs> you drink the damn juice, man. Yeah. Right. And, and I have a special way of getting through to him. So he listened to me. Right. And no surprise, a couple of weeks into it, his taste buds had adapted. And he started loving the taste of it. Right. Mm -hmm. So and then with the with the hemp oil, you know, CBD, it's not psychoactive, doesn't get you high. Right. So we could start high doses of that right away. But THC, obviously, that can take you on a journey that can take you on a trip. So we had to start off on low doses three times a day and then ramp it up over time. Right. So we're giving them the hemp oil. We're giving them the juice. Of course, it goes without saying almost that there was also a lot of prayer, a lot of intention holding, a lot of people holding space for his healing and his wellness, even if he wasn't the one to do that. Right. And I will say that he's he's a realist. Right. Like he's not, he's not the kind of guy who's like, I'm going to visualize my healing and know that it is so right. So I think that even speaks more to what we did for him because it wasn't some miraculous power of the mind, although that did come into play, you know, in the community. Right. So mm -hmm. flash forward six weeks later, we get our, our next round of MRIs and blood work and his tumors shrunk by over 30%. So mm. now we knew we're on to something. Right. And to make a long story short within Four months, we had him completely cancer-free. The tumor was completely gone. You know, they gave him three months to live. We had him cancer-free in four. And that was over four years ago. He just celebrated his fourth not-supposed-to-have-it birthday. <laughs> and, and every three months since then, and, and recently every six months, they, come, they bring him in for MRIs and blood work, clean MRIs, clean blood work, clean MRIs, clean blood work. Um, he's... The healthiest man with stage four liver cancer that the specialists have ever seen. And, you know, to put it in perspective for your audience too, stage four liver cancer is not a thing that you heal, right? There's a reason why they didn't give him, at least in the, in the common Western medical paradigm, right? They didn't, there's a reason they didn't give him a protocol or a treatment plan. It's because they didn't have one, you know, being, I'm sorry to say it, but being a liver cancer specialist is basically like being a specialist in watching people die horrible deaths. Like you, for the most part, you've joined hospice um, basically. Exactly. And, you know, he's the only person with that diagnosis from his, the hospital that he was at who lived. Right. So, um, 
So, so after we had this amazing healing with my father, we were doing a sound healing, which is my wife is a sound healing practitioner and a yoga teacher. And we do these sound baths where people come and they lay down in a yoga studio and they get bathed with the sound vibrations of like the big gong and crystal singing bowls that are tuned to the chakras and all these healing instruments. And all the time people come in all oh, with shoulder pain, lay down for an hour, get bathed in sound vibes. No shoulder pain's gone. Knee pain's gone, whatever. Right. So with this one though, we decided this is right at the end of 2018, and which is just around when hemp was being legalized in the United States again. So we offered, hey, for you know, 10 bucks more, get a dose of CBD with your sound bath, like an upsell, right? And about 60, 70% of people in the room took the upsell and tried it on. And we had the most amazing sound bath, the, the, the vibes in the room, the stillness, it was just palpable. And at the end, we're like, hey, guys, we got some extra doses left. You know, if you enjoyed it, two for one, come and get it. And we sold out of everything we had in a minute. Wow. And so the next morning, my wife, who loves to sleep in, she popped up out of bed. She's like, I can't sleep. And so we're sitting on the porch, actually, in the mountains in Topanga, California, up in the canyon there, looking out in the mountains and drinking a matcha latte. <laughs> she's like, I think we should start a CBD business. And I'm like, that's a fantastic idea. Let's do it. And so the cool thing was, is that, you know, I didn't even mention that in order to help my dad, I downsized, moved out of our LA apartment, moved into something humble in San Diego, as far as the business and my being pretty dang broke, you know, I had a few coaching consulting clients that I was making at least enough money to eat. So I just said, you know what, I'm going to surrender all that and just focus on what's in front of me. I'm going to help my dad. I'm not going to think about it for the first time in 10 plus years as an entrepreneur. I'm not going to push in that direction. I'm just going to surrender. Right. And so the cool thing was, is that, you know, I always thought the, the, creation story of feel good hemp was my dad's miraculous healing. Mm -hmm. And it certainly is. And it wasn't until a while later telling the story that I realized that, you know, my dad and I were actually coming back from the bottom together, right? I had blown up this business and by just folk and he had blown up his health. And by just focusing on help him get his health back, I, you know, the universe had in store for me, my next mission in the world, my next path in business and in making an impact for other people. And that's how feel good hemp was born. And so it, it's this cool experience to realize that, you know, as much as I was helping him, he was helping me too. Noah Terrell's my guest. You're listening to tell me your story, new paradigms for a new world. I'm Richard Dugan, your host and uh, extraordinary story to say the very least. First question I have for you regarding your dad. How old was your dad when he was diagnosed and how old is he now? I think he was 60. I want to say he's 68 when he was diagnosed and now he is 71 or two. Yes. I should know how old my dad is. He's 72. <laughs> well, close, close enough for government work. Uh, my dad's go. my dad's 91 <laughs> and he's as stubborn as uh, your dad sounds because he has trouble with his mobility and so forth and does not mm -hmm. want to use a cane, does not want to use a walker. Um, yet he still gets up and he moves around. He'll use the counters in the kitchen as support every once in a while. Uh, he can certainly walk without any support, but he's got to walk slowly. Uh, and so forth. Mom's doing great. 87 years of age. They've been married 65, awesome. going on 66 years this June. Beautiful. And I sometimes, I, as a matter of fact, we I've had this conversation, and this was dealing with uh, the issues of uh, uh, of uh, dementia and Alzheimer's. And when a patient gets to a certain stage where they're just not here anymore, 
you know, and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, it, it's like you and I, we're young enough. We, we can jump out of bed and, oh, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go do some more interviews. I'm ready to go and get enlightened and, and understand better uh, my place in the universe, my purpose in life and so forth. You jump out of bed with your wife and uh, let's let's sell some more of this stuff. Let's help some more people. I mean, you are doing that. You are giving back in many different ways. But these folks don't jump out of bed with that kind of perspective or attitude because, well, they're not here. I mean, yeah, I don't know where they are. They are here, but they're not here and so forth. And so I, I actually posed that very, very hard question. And that is, when do we, what do we, you know, I mean, what do we do? And so when mm-hmm. you talk about these folks who, uh, and may I don't know if it was uh, uh, any anything of your father's doing that created the liver cancer or not, uh, and I guess I guess you and I would probably both agree, uh, yeah, karma somewhere along the way, uh, there was something that he wanted to learn in this process with the liver cancer. Uh, yeah. And maybe that's the case, too, with the folks who have Alzheimer's. And maybe they are in a place mentally uh, that is serving them in that respect. And they're learning something. We, we don't know because it's not like you can plug a, or hook up a coax cable uh, to a mm-hmm. TV and to them. Get and, the karma readout. And get a readout. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but it just seems to me that certainly the, the medical community – the orthodox, I call it, orthodox medical community. Um, there's a part of it that I, I – they don't know when to say when. I mean it's – and I can appreciate the drive to keep the physical body going. And I'm not, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But <clears throat> it's like there are two questions when it comes to medicine and science. One of them is uh, when to say when. And the next one is just because we can, does that mean we should? Those are big questions. The huge questions. And I'm not passing judgment on anybody who says, no, I don't want to deal with that. Okay, fine. I understand that. I myself, I've made peace with uh, the next phase in my life, whatever it is. If it's a bus, if it's the front end of a bus or something, you know, (laughs) and today is my day, I'm good. You know, I just want to make sure that it's quick and painless. You know, it's just boom and I'm gone. Uh, or yeah. like uh, a past life experience that I had uh, through uh, an LBL uh, session with a local practitioner, I had a life as a pioneer in the last life before this one. And I just went out on the front porch and I kicked my hat back and leaned back and I said, oh, it's been a good life. And I left. I just left. Nice. It was that easy. You know? Mahasamadhi. Yeah. The yogis would call that. Yeah. The great samadhi. But it's it's one of those issues that I know we need to talk about, and we won't necessarily talk about it here because what you are dealing with is those who are here, those who are in pain, who are suffering in some physical, mental, emotional aspect. Um, question I want to ask you about this issue of hemp and the CBD and the THC and so forth. Do you think uh, that the federal government of the United States – has allowed Pandora's box to be open, and there is absolutely no way they will be able to close it because too many states have done what they've done to make it recreational. Too many Mm -hmm. companies have been established to help 
people in spite of what the pharmaceutical companies might have lobbied them to pass laws to prevent this. And my understanding is that the government, all they have to do, they do not have to pass any new laws. All they have to do is remove hemp or marijuana or THC from the class that it is right now. Yeah, from Schedule 1. Whatever that book is that they use. Mm -hmm. Move it out of that class. That's all they have to do. And I think that wouldn't that be up to the FDA? You know, um, maybe but, the DEA or actually. the DEA, which it, but but basically that's all they have to do. They're don't we don't need any new laws. Just rem- take it out of class one, you know, and yeah. and everything is is just fine. And again, we know the history of why hemp and marijuana were made illegal was because it bought it it ate into the cotton growers and the textile mills uh, in terms of uh, clothing and materials. And it's like, well, wait a minute, this is the free enterprise system. This is capitalism that started back when this country was founded. What do you mean we can't do this? That, that, that doesn't make any sense. George so, Washington was a hemp farmer. Yeah. So do you think that there's no way to close this box? And I hope that there is no way because people should have the right to the forms of alternative medicine that you are providing. Yeah. I mean, obviously I'm biased. <laughs> but sure. they federally legalized hemp. So CBD is certainly out of the box and all the other cannabinoids that you can derive from hemp with THC being a, a cannabinoid. CBD is a cannabinoid. There's lots of other ones like CBN, CBG that they're now isolating with leading edge science and being able to use for different purposes. So uh, CBD though is out of all the cannabinoids, the one that has like the most wide range mm-hmm. or myriad of benefits. Did and you say there's a couple did you say the oh, federal God. government has legalized hemp? Yes. So in 2000, at the end of 2018, in the that. U.S. Farm Bill, hemp, which the classification between hemp and, and cannabis is this. Hemp has a concentration of THC of 0.3% or less. And so if your seeds that you're growing, it's the same plant. It's just about what's the concentration of uh-huh of thc and if it has it higher than that it's considered cannabis and it falls under a whole different okay. level of jurisdiction and regulation and right. legality okay and but if it's hemp it's legal federally legal which is why cbd that's derived from hemp like all of our products are federally legal in all 50 states you don't have to worry about it any case that's been brought up on a local municipalities you know like someone in tennessee is really conservative and doesn't want to let all, the the defendants have always won, as far as I'm concerned, and see as far as I've seen. I mean, mm-hmm. um, I've never seen a case where someone's been prosecuted for for CBD. Yeah, um, and we've sold it in all 50 states. Um, there are a couple of things you mentioned that I would love to touch on. Please, uh, one of which, my grandma, who is 95 years old, she takes our hemp oil three times a day. Go grandma, go grandma, indeed. <laughs> With it, she lives a good quality of life. Without it. She has arthritis all over her body. And so, and she's an old Jewish woman from New York. And so every once in a while, I get that phone call where she's like, oh, Noah, I love the product. I love the oil. Just keep sending the oil. Thank you so much. Right? Like I get that, <laughs> that old Jewish grandma love, yeah. which I love so much. Um, so, and, um, you know, Speaking to Alzheimer's, dementia, neurodegenerative disorders, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of research about hemp and cannabis and its impact on that. And I'll tell you why. Um, There's a great 
potential that taking something like CBD could actually help to at least mitigate the symptoms, if not reduce or reverse symptoms of those kinds of diseases. And it's because we have what's called the human endocannabinoid system. Have you ever heard of this before? I have not, no. So there is a system of receptors throughout our entire body. These receptor sites are in every major organ. They're in our bones. They're in our blood. They're in, they're in our whole body, okay? And their job is to receive cannabinoids. So a cannabinoid is like CBD is one of them. THC is one of them. There's over 114 different cannabinoids in the hemp plant. And the hemp plant is not the only place in nature where you find cannabinoids. You can find them in the hops plant, for example. So, and, and the, the, the cannabinoid receptors are such a part of our being and such a, such a natural part of what we're meant to receive that literally cannabinoids are passed in mother's breast milk from mother to child. And what the cannabinoid receptors do, this endocannabinoid receptor system in our body is in each different part of our systems, they regulate the harmony of the functioning of that system. And basically when you have cannabinoid deficiency, it's kind of like the weakest link goes first, right? So some people have cannabinoid deficiency and it manifests as maybe Crohn's, right? They have inflammation in the gut that doesn't seem to go away. Some people, they have inflammation in the brain that doesn't seem to go away. Some people have pain here or pain there or poor functioning of this organ or poor functioning of that organ. And that's why you hear so many people talking about so many different benefits of taking CBD, right? I was just being interviewed by a woman the other day who got diagnosed with Crohn's, was bedridden with pain, and she's actually been taking a 100 milligram CBD suppository. And within six days after months in bed, couldn't work, Within six days of taking that, all her pain went away. She's almost entirely symptom-free now. And all she has to do is take 100 milligrams of CBD a day. She's taking it as a suppository. I would say that most likely she could take it just as like an oral oil or a capsule, just the same, and probably get a similar benefit. Um, your body's smart, right? It knows where their deficiencies are and where to move nutrients to support itself. So um, the reason I bring it up too, with regards to the Alzheimer's idea, what, I'll tell you another story. My buddy, his dad started getting some bad Alzheimer's symptoms, driving into town, forgetting why he drove into town, right? Those kinds of things. So he sends his, his, he buys a bottle of oil from us and sends it over to his dad, says, dad, take this. So after one night of taking it, he calls up his son, my buddy, and he says, you know, I didn't tell you this, but every night when I'm going to bed, I've been hearing the sound of like a train running off the tracks inside my brain. He said, after one night of taking this oil, that sound went away and I'm feeling better. It's like, wow, dad, <laughs> like it seems like something you should probably mention to your loved ones who want to take <laughs> care of you. But why is that? Well, because there's a ton of cannabinoid receptors in the brain. Yeah. And so if you look up or if your listeners look up the endocannabinoid system, it's pretty modern science. They only discovered the system in the early 90s. And, and especially in isolating cannabinoid compounds, we're, we're at the tip of, of the, the, the gold mine that is available to us in understanding the system and understanding in nature. And, you know, we didn't have to used to understand it because we had fields of hemp and the cows ate the hemp and we had a steak and we got cannabinoids and we didn't realize that we needed these things because they just flowed into us naturally because they're part of the natural environment and a lot more in our food chain and our food supply. 
Well, of course, the whole natural issue is also up for debate as well because of what our food supply has turned into in terms of GMOs and hormones and steroids and the list goes on that are not doing us any good. And, of course, that's why many people have turned to what we call today organic food. But 150 years ago... They didn't call it organic food. They called called it farming. They called it food. (laughs) That's right. Exactly. We are talking with Noah Terrell, and we are talking about, uh, I think, something that you might want to check into. I think it would behoove you to do so. Feelgoodhemp.org or feelgoodlibrary.com. Now, am I correct? If they go to feelgoodhemp.org, they will get a link. There's a link within that website to feelgoodlibrary.com. Absolutely, yeah. There's a, a link at the top that says free platform. You can join for free or you go to feelgoodlibrary.com. You join the platform and you get sent over to Feel Good Hemp. They're all connected. It's really just about uh, when you sign up for the platform, what you get access to is all these different personal development techniques and tools. You know, I've been a spiritual business and life coach for 13 plus years. And I've read so many books. I've tried on so many techniques. I've had so many teachers and mentors. And I've really filtered through what's useful and what's not by using it on myself first and then with my clients. And then so what's in the platform is all the useful stuff. Yeah. All the stuff that can actually make an impact for you feeling good naturally, addressing the layers of, of your being. You know, we have that seven layers of change uh, kind of construct that I created that I could walk your audience through if, if you want to take the interview over there. But it's really just about addressing the layers of our being. You know, I'll give you an example. You asked my, you, you mentioned, I don't know if your dad did anything to cause his cancer. Well, Check this out. So in 2008, when that big recession hit, my dad was running a multi-million dollar video and photography event and wedding uh, production company, right? Mm-hmm. So they would go out to weddings and events and do photo and video. And it was very high end, very professional. He's an award winning uh, director. He uh, won an Emmy for directing the 1984 Summer Olympic Games on television. Wow. Um, and he brought that level of skill to people's weddings and events. And it was a family business. Everyone worked. It was my first job, you know, 13 years old. I'm going out and assisting him on these shoots, right? And, and everyone in the family had worked in the business at some point, and we had to close the doors. And it hit him really hard, especially because, you know, he was running the business too heavy. He didn't want to fire anyone. He didn't want to let anyone go. He didn't want to downsize. He had two offices, a big team, and he just went belly up. And some client projects didn't even get finished, right? People had to get like their raw footage, not a finished event, nothing polished. It was bad, hmm. right? And he went into a deep depression. And so flash forward 10 years later, and he's getting this diagnosis. And the doctors even said, we estimate this tumor has been growing for about the last 10 years. Wow. And in traditional Chinese medicine, they say that excess anger is stored in the liver. And so maybe there was a little bit of anger, resentment, and upset that he wasn't able to process, that he didn't know what to do with, and that got crammed, jammed, and stored down in the liver where it could sit while he sat depressed. Not that he was a moop who just sat at the house, but he definitely wasn't himself. Wow. And on the flip side of him healing, we definitely saw an emotional healing too. It was like the spark was back. There was more joy. There was more of him present. And uh, it, you could really see that there wasn't just a physical healing that occurred. There was an emotional healing 
that occurred. And so when I say there's many layers to ourselves, you know, you could say that there's a mental body, a, an emotional body, a physical body, a spiritual body, right? There's different systems and ways you could categorize it, but we all know that we're not just this, this suit of flesh and bone, right? Because even science knows that that thing is 99.9% empty space. Mm -hmm. So what are we talking about when we say that we're a body? What do you, what do you mean? Do you, do you mean you are the the 0.1% of thing that is actually matter? Is that what you are? Or are you sort of a collection of electromagnetic forces? Or is there something larger at play that's what you actually are that is having its experience in this apparent physical self that's truly non-physical? Wow. Noah Terrell is our guest. I'm Richard Dugan. This is Tell Me Your Story. We are giving you new paradigms for a new world, giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And Noah, I have to tell you that you have given me something I want to dive into here for just a couple of minutes in what you said about your father and the liver and Chinese medicine. <clears throat> In uh, July, late July of 2021, uh, I was having lunch here at the radio station and I finished lunch and I had this pain right at the base, at the bottom of my, of my, uh, um, of my uh, rib cage. Mm -hmm. I thought, oh, it's just indigestion. It'll go away. No problem. You know, and of course, as the day wore on, the evening came along, we had dinner and it was still there. It hadn't gotten any worse, but it was still there. Mm. And by 10 or 11 o'clock, it still hadn't gone away. Uh, my wife, who is very uh, empathic, if you will, intuitive, says, we are taking you to the ER. Mm. I said, well, what do you think it is? Uh, well, I'm not going to say, she says, but uh, it could be your gallbladder. Well, they ran some tests, uh, both uh, ultrasound and I think um, CAT scan, a CT scan. I had a, they've described it as a, very infected gallbladder with a golf ball-sized gallstone. Oof. Now, this was happening around the Summer Olympic Games. And mm. after they had removed it, this was on a Tuesday night into Wednesday morning. They removed it on Thursday. Uh, I was saying to anybody who would care to listen, yeah, I participated in uh, in an Olympic uh, summer Olympic game that nobody knows about. It's called the gallbladder clean and jerk, and I won a gold. <laughs> and of course, I knew that both the gallbladder and the liver were seats of anger stored and so forth. And I will tell you that prior to that. When something, if let's just say I would spill milk or, oh my God, I just deleted an entire folder. I hope I can find it. Right. Ah, you know, I go, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Da, da, da. And I would go on like that for a couple of minutes, maybe. You're not, not quite like this, you know, but yeah. it would be there, you know, just kind of simmering along, you know. After the surgery, after the removal, it was, ah. <laughs> ah, that's beautiful, man. Okay. I also, a year earlier, 2020, same period, July, I was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. Mm. Now, the, the uh, I don't know if you know what the numbers mean, but uh, my A1C uh, was 11.2. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know what that means. Uh, you're supposed to have 5.7. Ooh. 
Normal A1C is around 100 to 120. My A1C, my uh, blood sugar that day was 544. Wow. I brought my blood sugar down to normal in less than a, a, a month and a half. Changing your diet or what? Well, I was a soda junkie. Yeah. I stopped drinking sodas, and I actually found an alternative. These flavored sparkling waters that have no sugar, no carbs, okay? I like the fizz. Now, someone's now getting on my case about the fizz, you know, the nitrogen. <laughs> it's like, look, one step at a time, please, okay? <laughs> there you go. One step at a time. One step at a time. Plus the fact that I will mix it with fruit juices. I will actually make uh, wine spritzers with it. It's really good. I like it. Um and uh, the doc says to me that day, says, Richard, it's going to be a long road for you, a long road. I said, no, doc, this is not. I says, I know how I got here. Not just the sodas, but do you remember in March of 2020 when they locked things down? Yeah, of What course. foods did most people go to? Comfort Junk foods. Junk food. Yeah. And what's in comfort foods? Carbs and sugars. Yeah. And that's what we went to. So that's how I got there because the A1C reading, the, when they took the blood work, they said your A1C, your blood sugar average per month for the last three months was 275. So I got one of those. I still have the gauge and I check every so often just to see where it is. And it's between 80 and 120, depending upon Beautiful. the di- time of day, before meals, after meals and so forth. Right. So it's stable. It's right where it's supposed to be. I love it. I can still Fantastic. drink beer, but it's got to be light beer. And that's fine. <laughs> I like it. I, you know. Um, then I see these commercials. This pill will help to get your A1C down to seven. Seven? Really? And of course, uh, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, well, if you people would just have a little, you know, have the cojones, the willpower to do it, if you really are serious about your health, you'll do it. But see, that's where the problem comes in. Most people don't have the willpower. How does what you provide through Feel Good Hemp and Feel Good Library, what, uh, how does this, the, 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 how do these products, uh, how, how can these products, I'm rephrasing my question as I go here, how can these products help to maybe uh, increase one's willpower to make the changes that they know intuitively that they really need to make. I love that question, Richard, because it's it's a, it's not a one size fits all mm-hmm. game, and that's the game that the Western medicine field is always trying to play. They're like, you got this thing wrong with that thing in your body. Here's the thing you need. Take this. And that's the solution, right? Or they say, we don't have the solution because we haven't figured, we haven't invented it yet. When it's like really all the solutions that we've ever needed were already all available to us well before you ever existed, Mr. Western medicine. (laughs) Other than what I will say, they're really good. If you get into a car accident and your body needs to be sewn back together, that's where Western medicine is a gem and not to be discounted, right? If you get gunshot and you need to have your life saved, I don't think CBD is the answer for you, right? (laughs) But when it comes to holistic living and wellness, well, first off, there are lots of studies that show the ability of using cannabinoids to, um, to 
for weight management and blood sugar management. So if you're diabetic, first off, just start with this, just take it and it will help your body reduce. It's a whole body anti-inflammatory and inflammation is sort of the root of all disease and all Mm. disorder, Mm. right? So if you reduce inflammation and your body can work 10% more efficiently, then it can manage your blood sugar levels 10% better. Of course, this is not an exact science, but you can find the papers. We actually have some papers published on our site about people who studied that. So there's that, right? Um, the, the compounds alone can help. But if you don't mind me sharing this, this seven levels of change pyramid, I think it answers this question beautifully. I don't know if and you can make it, I can share. And I yeah, can talk I, I certainly can do that. And while we're uh, doing that, I want to remind our listeners that uh, you are listening to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. And uh, we are talking with Noah Terrell about uh, the work that he is doing. And uh, I'm, I'm working on this as we are speaking. We hope that you mm-hmm. are enjoying this program uh, but um, we also uh, want you to uh, uh, check out his website so that you can uh, you can find out. Oh, here's how we can do this. There we go. How about we do that? Now you should be able to uh, to share. And Excellent. You're sh- and for people watching, they yeah. can see it. And for people listening, I'll make sure to be descriptive. But this is seven levels of change. Oh wow! And it's a it's a paradigm that I created from experience. It's from working with people. So let's you ask when people want to make these changes. I'll make a side note, by the way, in the process of healing, my dad got rid of his type two diabetes. Mm -hmm. And um, that was just another side benefit of his experience. Yeah. And uh, I'll even throw in high blood pressure. Let's throw that into the mix too. Uh, He also got rid of his high (laughs) blood pressure. He he got rid of his type two diabetes. And here's, here's a real uh, uh, cherry on top in 2020. This man is having experience where he's putting his glasses on and they're real blurry. And he's taking them off and he's seeing clear and he's going, what the hell is going on? This is a man who's been wearing glasses since he was 17 years old, since the sixties. Okay. And somehow, because he t- still takes a maintenance dose every night before he goes to bed or five nights a week, he'll take a nice dose of CBD and THC, you know, as a, a way to just keep his body health, healthfully balanced. And over time, somehow that actually healed his eyes to the point where he, took his glasses off for the first time in 40 plus years and he no longer wears them. Wow. And like I said, my dad is not a, 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 Oh, we heal everything with our mind kind of guy. When that happened, he called me up. He said, son, I don't even know what to do with all the miracles that keep happening to me. Like, I don't know how to process this. (laughs) So just to speak to that. So, but let me show you guys the seven levels of change thing. Cause when you said, how do we make changes when we're not motivated enough to do it or when we're addicted, maybe You know, I honestly think that you want to talk about a schedule one substance, meaning that it has no positive medical benefit. That's what schedule one means. Put Mountain Dew right in that category. (laughs) It is so addictive. The, the, The combination of sugar concentration and caffeine concentration. There are kids, you can look it up. It's called Mountain Dew Mouth. There are kids who are raised on it in like the burbs of West Virginia, where these kids literally have every one of their adult teeth pulled out of their mouth by the time they're 17 years old. And they still want to drink it after all that pain, after all that suffering. That's how addictive this stuff is. Wow. And yet there's no one regulating the sale of that. You don't have to have an 18-year-old ID to buy that, but it's a potent and toxic drug. So we live in an interesting world, right? But let me talk about what to do when you're finding yourself stuck in a situation you know you want to change, but having difficulty changing it. Let's just use a simple example, right? Let's say you want to lose weight. 
right? Like everybody on New Year's Eve, we're going to lose that 25, right? So what do most people focus on? They focus on this third layer here, which is the actions, the habits, the system. It's mm-hmm. doing what it takes. So most people say, I want to lose weight. I'm going to go to the gym five days a week. I'm going to drink more water. I'm going to sleep better. I'm going to run every morning. I'm going to do, do, do these things, 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 right? And then for some reason or another, 98 plus percent of them, they don't hit their goal. Why is that? Well, it's because of these other six layers. So let's start at the bottom, environment and community, right? If you live in a house where everyone orders McDonald's for dinner every single night versus if you live in a house where there's literally nothing but whole foods, organic foods in your fridge, which one are you more likely to lose weight in? right? You have to optimize your environment to support the outcome you want. And there's a lot of ways to do that creatively, you know, without even having to move necessarily or, or kick everyone out of your house, right? You can do simple things to help your environment help you and your environment matters so much. It's why it's so hard to get up out of the ghetto, right? Like it's such a rare story of someone who comes out of poverty and violence and figures out a way to make a, a half decent life for decent life for themselves. Right. So environment, such a huge factor. You know, right? that's interesting that, because, Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Because people coming out of recovery, that's one of the things they are told. You can't go back to the place where you were. You've got to change your environment. That's one of the keys. And it's hard to do because a lot of times they want to go back to their family. So anyway, let's go on to level two. Yeah. And, and the people, the new people you're surrounding yourself with, that's part of your environment. Yep. It's, your, it's your environment and your community is what that yep. layer is called. Exactly. Right. So the next, next level up energy and vitality, right? If you don't have the energy to make these new choices, you wake up to go to the gym that next morning and you're just burnt. Well, guess what? You're less likely to do it than if you have energy and vitality in high supply. This is one of the areas where CBD as a wellness supplement comes in handy because take inflammation out of the body, liberate some of the energy that your body's spending on managing inflammation and fighting off disease. And suddenly you have more energy to take the actions that you say you want to take, right? And there's other ways to do this too. Um, Of course, you know, focusing on your sleep, focusing on your food, lots of things, but it's its whole own layer because energy is, it's the raw input that we put into anything to create the life we want, right? So it's its whole own layer. Third layer, actions, habits, systems, we're all familiar with that one, right? What are you gonna do to make a new result happen, right? And it's generally not where people mess up. It's even though it's where we focus, right? So the next layer above that, skills and strategy. Okay, you have a goal, you wanna lose weight. So you say, I'm going to go to the gym. Okay. Skills and strategy. Do you actually have the skills you need to work out? Do you know what to do at the gym? What about strategy? Do you have the right workout approach for your body type, for your fitness goals, right? If you have the right skills and the right capabilities and the right strategy, if you have mastery of your approach to something, you are much, 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 much more likely to actually get the result you want. And, you know, whereas one person might be um, hitting the gym, maybe another person's perfect path to fitness is boxing. You know, it's about what actually speaks to you as well and what you actually have some knowledge of and, and have a chance of actually doing ongoingly. Right. And then above this one, this one is the one that was hidden from me for the longest time in my personal development journey. It's your nervous system, right? We think about ourselves as human beings, but on a physical level, we're really just the floating nervous system, riding a flesh suit. Right? We are eyeballs, brain, brainstem, spinal cord. Sense that, that's processing all the sensory input that comes in from every other piece of the body. It manages our whole, all our organs, all our functioning. It's, the, it's where we're having our inner experience from. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and here's the thing with the nervous system. It is a fact and it's proven 
that every cell in your body has intelligence and every cell in your body has memory. It's also a fact and proven that we don't just have a brain in our head. We have a brain in our heart. We have a neural network there and we have a brain in our stomach. We have a neural network there. It's why people say things like, I just know in my heart that, or I just feel in my gut that blah, blah, blah. It's because you actually have a brain there. You have the ability to think with your gut. You have the ability to think with your heart. And these parts of our body, the intelligence of our body memorizes things uh, for survival, right? So you go get in that car accident in a, cro- in a, in a crowded intersection. Guess what happens the next time you're going through an intersection, even when the light's green, even when it's totally safe, two weeks later, what are you having? You're having a flash thought, a flash memory of that car accident. Why is that? Well, it's because of the cellular memory stored in your nervous system that is attempting to keep you safe from repeating the past. But here's the problem is that in its attempt to keep you safe from repeating the past, it often causes you to repeat the past right? It's why people go through the same relationship over and over again. It's why people have the same life experiences crop up and repeating patterns crop up. My own experience was I had a lot of fight energy stored in my body. Growing up a boy, playing contact sports, fighting with your friends, proving yourself, proving your worth, proving your manhood, rugby, jujitsu, Muay Thai training, hardening the body, all this stuff. And I couldn't figure out why does my business always feel like a fight? Why do my relationships feel like a fight? Why does my life feel like a fight? Like I have to be a warrior 24 seven. Well, my body was programmed with warrior energy. And so there was no no other experience I could possibly have, right? So nervous system is the next layer. It's it's the one that eludes almost everybody because this is not talked about in our common uh, vernacular too much, but there's a great book on it. It's called The Body Keeps Score. It's a foundational book about this kind of, body of knowledge around how your body keeps score. It's very telling in the title, right? Yeah. So that's the next level. And we give tools and techniques for deprogramming and resetting the nervous system as well. Right. And again, how does this play out with you achieving your goals? Well, let's say that you're the fat kid who's always felt like the fat kid and a loser. Guess what happens when you go to the gym, instead of having that inner talk of, you know what, I'm trying something new. It's okay. If I suck at it at the beginning, I'm going to get better. Good on me for showing up. Instead, you feel all that energy. The time you got made fun of when you were 10, the time, all these stored memories that are stored in your body, maybe even in the subconscious mind, they crop up and it's extra resistance that you have to willpower your way past in order to do the new things you say you want to do, which most people can't do, which is why 98% of people, they sign up for the gym on January 1st, and they never come back, start coming February 1st, right? And then above that, your identity, your values, your beliefs. This is about knowing yourself to the core. And the reason this matters is the same reason I was just talking about. It's another layer that you might have to overcome if you don't address it up front. And, and a famous, a way I like to say it is that belief precedes response. Belief precedes response. So let me just say it real quick. It's like this. If you were in the forest and you saw a brown bear chasing at you, right? You believe a brown bear is charging at you. Your body goes into an entire chemical response. Cortisol pumps, adrenaline pumps, blood rushes to your fingers and your toes. You get ready to fight a bear. Now, if you believed in your mind, that's not a bear charging me. That's my buddy, John. He's wearing a bear suit and he's messing with me doesn't matter if it actually is a real bear or not Mm -hmm. simply because you believe something different. None of that stuff happens in your body. So belief precedes response. So if deep down in my core, I believe I'm that fat loser. Yes, I can take actions and habits. I can show up at the gym every day. And over time I can prove to myself that that's no longer true. 
I can also, there's techniques and ways to go back and resolve that dissonance and that faulty belief at its core and program in something new that empowers me and uplifts me so I can take a new action and, and show up a different way in my life. Mm. And then the top of the pyramid is your intuition, your purpose. It's that connection to your, your highest self, your deepest self, your wisdom self, your universal self, your whatever you want to call it. You're all, all conscious, all, all knowing self, your inner wisdom. And the reason that that layer super matters is because that's an area where you can download your unique path forward, right? So maybe one dude's journey to health is kickboxing six days a week. Maybe another dude's journey to health is taking power walks in the forest by the beach, you know, or over the mountains or something, right? And the only way to know that is to actually stop looking out there for a second, stop looking out in the world and what everyone else says and to go in and to say, and, and have a connection to that inner wisdom that has your unique path forward in it. And so all of these combine to be the seven levels of change, because when you want to make a change happen, if you actually have tools, techniques, and awareness of these seven levels, you got a way better shot at having what you want uh, to have in your life and bringing in what you really want to bring into your life coming into fruition mm. than if you're just like, okay, I'm going to try to willpower it out. Let's go. Actions and habits. Yeah. Don't slip up. Don't slip up this time. Do it, do it, do it. Right. And that's kind of the inner voice that we all try to use, but it just doesn't work out for most people in most times. You are listening and watching. Tell me your story. New paradigms for a new world. My guest is Noah Terrell and uh, I am Richard Dugan, your host. New Paradigms for a New World, giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. One of the things that really strikes uh, me, strikes a chord with me, uh, Noah, is, uh, and I've said this before on this program many times, <clears throat> that if we were giving our bodies the building blocks slash the food that it needed, we already have the ultimate pharmaceutical company built right in. And you've already run through so many of the different chemicals and or we'll call them drugs that our drug store can produce in a split second for us. I mean, imagine adrenaline. Mm -hmm. I don't need a needle to pump that into my arm. I can create it. But if I haven't put in the necessary elements for my body to create it, it's going to be real hard. And I mm -hmm. have a feeling that that's a part of the problem that we have, the, ch the biggest of challenges that we have, not just in this country, but around the world. And it was one of the things that struck me as I started hearing the death toll uh, regarding COVID. And specifically when I started hearing the difference between people who succumbed to the virus versus those whose underlying conditions were exacerbated by the virus, i.e. heart disease, diabetes, high mm -hmm. blood pressure, and so forth and so on, and that if they had been able to get those conditions, those underlying conditions taken care of, it's, it's kind of like we all have the potentiality for these different things. doesn't mean we will have them, but we have the potentiality. If, like with me, I had the potentiality for type 2 diabetes, and mm -hmm. I got it, and then I got rid of it. Mm -hmm. So I don't have that underlying condition anymore. Uh, the high blood pressure issue, I have a feeling that I may need to discuss that with you in terms of, gee, I wonder what I should be taking because... I, I don't mind putting something, you know, uh, something under my tongue 
for three, two or three, 30 years seconds or 15 seconds or whatever to absorb into my system than swallow rather than two pills that I've got to take that my doctor has prescribed. Uh, right. I also have to tell you that when, <laughs> when I was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, he prescribed for me the typical medication, metformin. Mm-hmm. And he said, I want you to take two each day. And I started to take two. Then I got the little medic. I got the little meter, and I thought I'm gonna try something. I'm gonna take one. And my blood sugar kept going down and going down and going down. And then I went to see him in February the following year of 2021. Yeah, 2021. And, uh, he, you know, he noticed that everything was good because November I was normal, and then February normal. Okay, you go down to one. So I stopped taking them all together. And my blood sugar just stayed right where it was supposed to be, just nice and level and even. I never told him what I did. But I would love to do the same thing with the three capsule, the three tablets that I take each day uh, for the high blood pressure. I actually believe that if uh, I could just take something like what you're talking about. Um, a, a tablet or a capsule or a little tincture, you know, this little dropper under the tongue kind of thing. Right. Man, I'd rather do that than, than, than these pharmaceuticals because it's like you just said, our bodies know how to handle this stuff, whereas these chemicals that are manufactured in a laboratory, our bodies really don't know how to handle them. Plus the fact that if I'm not mistaken, Noah, when we start putting, let's use the example of antibiotics into our bodies to fight different things, our immune system doesn't have any work. You talk about the unemployment rate in this country. How about the <laughs> unemployment rate in your body? Okay. You're yeah. unemploying your immune system, that natural army, if you will, that natural military service, you know, thank you for your service immune system because you've kept me healthy. I, I don't know about you. When was the last time you had a flu shot? Never. It's been at least 40, maybe 50 years. I'm 61. Mm-hmm. Uh, I probably had them when I was a kid growing up. Uh, my mom probably had us get them. But Maybe I, st- I did growing up. I don't remember, but never in my adult life. I still have my tonsils. My mm. mother never believed that they should be taken out. They were there for a reason. They're supposed to be a filter. I still have them. So when we start to supplement our medicine cap, built-in medicine cabinet with outside sources, you know, what happens? What happens when they're stuck out on a ship out in the Pacific? My pills. (laughs) What am I going to (laughs) do? Well, you know, think about the creative intelligence that birthed these organisms versus the creative intelligence that comes out of even the highest minds of society. Yeah. And and the comparison is 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 there. The thing is I don't think people realize how little we know. For example, scientists don't know. So most things when they get cold they get more dense and when they get warm they get less dense. But water behaves the opposite way. That's why ice floats. And why that happens, science does not know. But if that didn't happen, the world would cease to exist. Every time the ocean froze or the lake froze, all the fish would die. So there's these little hints Mm. that are available to us where like, they don't know where the energy comes from that beats our heart. 
Yeah. And you can look deeper into that. But the amount of energy that it takes to beat our heart every day is well beyond the caloric energy that we consume and burn. They don't know where that energy comes from. There's so there's they know tangibly 2%, maybe 3% of how the body actually works and all the things that it actually does and its intelligence. I mean, like I said, this endocannabinoid system, they'd only discovered it in the 90s. Yeah. Right? That's not too long ago. And and they're still just learning about its actual functionality and its roles. And so I feel like people give a lot, and it, we're sort of trained to do this. We give this authority to the white coats, right? We give this authority and we're trained, we're we're trained this way, right? When you're a kid, you give all your authority to your parents and your teachers. And then when you're in college, you give all authority to your professors and the graders, and then you get a job and you give all your authority to your bosses and Mm -hmm. your managers. And we sort of, most of us uh, are told unconsciously or consciously throughout our whole lives to abdicate our authority, abdicate our inner knowing. Someone else knows better than me in every other area, except for maybe the one that I specialize in. But the truth is, is that your body knows better than anything. And if you get in touch with that, like for me, it was a conscious process to get in touch with my intuition. I was very left-brained. I went to school for engineering. I wanted to build robots. I was a mechanical, electrical, computer engineer. And actually going way down the rabbit hole of physics with quantum physics and quantum mechanics being like the, the tip of that iceberg, that's what popped me into my spiritual brain. That's what helped me start to get connected to the, these larger concepts of not knowing I was so obsessed with knowing that I went down the rabbit hole far enough to realize that we don't know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, leading edge quantum mechanics and quantum physics and, and even mathematics is essentially confirming what the sages and the yogis and the mystics have been saying for thousands of years. You know, I, I heard, I'm forgetting who it was, but he was a, uh, a head of a mathematics department at like Cambridge University or something like that. And he said, if you don't believe in God, then you don't know enough about mathematics. Wow. Right? And, 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 and that's, <laughs> that's quite a heavy statement, right? He, he's someone, another person who went so far down the left rabbit hole of the left brain, the analytical mind, the quantum, the, the computing mind, that it pops you out into your right brain, the, the part of you that's connected to creative intelligence, to, to omnipresent consciousness, to the oneness, right? And we have scientific data to prove this. There's scientific data about multiple life experiences, right? There's scientific data about these people who have near-death experiences, there's so many cases and they all say essentially the same thing. I died. I left my body. My body was on earth, brain dead. I was in the cosmos having an omnipresent experience of being one with pure love and all knowingness. Mm -hmm. And then I realized I was supposed to live still. So I went back into my body, but I kept the all knowingness and Mm -hmm. the all the, the experience of being one with the giant love. (laughs) And so what is enlightenment? It's actually accessing that consciousness, that presence, that beingness, and that knowledge and wisdom mm-hmm. while in a limited body. That's what these spiritual masters are up to. And that's what these quantum mechanic and uh, leading edge scientists are trying to do at the same time. Yeah, you know, All roads lead to, to the one truth because that's how truth is. It's singular. <laughs> oh, wow. Noah Terrell's my guest and oh. Extraordinary. Absolutely incredible uh, what we're talking about. And I I say this to almost every guest, 
<clears throat> and uh, I'm going to say it to you, too. We've got to have you back to continue this conversation on these subjects because there is so much. Uh, and what you have to share is, from my perspective, is so rich. It's so full. Uh, I even think about uh, I think about it from the co- this context. <clears throat> um, my logical brain, not so much my intuition, although it may be uh, uh, may be prompted by my intuition. My logical brain says that my life has meaning because it doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, the questions that come up inside these interviews are outside. I would question the the authorities, as it were, when I was working for the Christian radio station, but I didn't like the answers that I got. They The mm-hmm. answers didn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. That when you talk about uh, God and Satan and and the sacrifice, it makes God out to be a, 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 an extortionist. <laughs> You're either going to do it my way, or I'm going to I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse. Right? It's just it's a like, human projection. Please, you know what is it? The Godfather? You know? Right. No pun intended. Right. Uh, it just didn't make any sense to me, and so uh, and so I looked at it this way. Look. If it doesn't make any sense that this is all an accident, I mean, because if this is all just an accident, then I could leave this room right now and go out and rape and pillage and plunder. And it wouldn't matter because this is all an accident. It is irrelevant. But there's something inside of me that says that's not true. That Mm -hmm. my life does have meaning, that this is not an accident and that there is more, more, so much more. Uh, that we can learn, uh, and of course, you know, the old saying, you know, we don't know what we don't know. That is true. But yeah. at the same time, there's so much more that we can know. And I love what Greg Braden shared with us when we talked about his book, The, um, the Healing Power of Belief. He says, there will come a day when we will not believe. We will know. Now, we're not there yet. Right. Not even close. But we no, will but that's just exactly know. what we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. So I would love to have you back here on on the program, Noah, and to continue this Absolutely. conversation as we are here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and Noah Terrell is my guest, and we're talking about his websites. <clears throat> He's got two of them, but you can get to one from the other. The one website is uh, feelgoodhemp.org. We will be linked to that website, uh, Noah, so people cool. can find out more about the work that you are doing. And in that website, you can also find out more about and go to feelgoodlibrary.com. If you want to go directly, you certainly can do so. Uh, but this has been... I tell you, I'm full, man. I am about to burst. Um, this is just some good stuff. We do have some pharmacies, <clears throat> but they're spelled with an F here in town. That's how they differentiate them. <laughs> Let and, uh, food which is be great. thy medicine. Uh, well, true. Yeah, and I need to. Uh, I need to look into uh, uh, the alternatives to taking some of these medications. Now, I did buy a portable blood pressure cuff. And it's mm-hmm. digital. So all I do is put my arm in it, wrap it, and push the button, and I just wait. So what I'd say, just to give you the, the version, this is exactly what we give out to our clients, okay. right? Try CBD. See how it works for you to just take down inflammation, see if it makes an impact. And on top of that, there's other things on our platform like EFT tapping. You can try EFT tapping to reduce the tension in the body yeah. that might be contributing yeah. to the blood pressure. You can go and Google 
best foods for high blood pressure and see what traditional Chinese medicine has to say about it. Maybe there's best herbs for mm -hmm. high blood pressure, right? And the combination effect guarantee you can, can help you. If you really don't want to take those pills, I'm sure of it, that your body, I truly believe this meta statement, the body can heal anything. Yeah. The body it's, can heal anything. Yeah. We just have to give it the runway. We have to give it the space. We have to stop doing whatever we've been doing. That's been creating the disharmony that leads to the disease. We need to just back off on that a little bit. And yeah. if you can isolate maybe some specific foods or some specific thoughts or some, some specific body trauma that we're holding on to, mm -hmm. right? All of those things in culmination lead to your healing, you know? So that's, how I'd approach it. And, you know, without being able to tell you specifically, Oh, we have this kind of veg juice or that because I haven't done the research, but that's the thinking behind it is first off knowing the body can heal anything and then approaching it from a multidimensional perspective like that. Well, I got to tell you, this is just really cool. Uh, really, really cool. And, um, I'm real excited about the prospects, not just for my health. Uh, I don't want it just for me. You know, I don't, I mean, right. I want it for me. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but uh, everybody, I, I would like for everyone to want to choose to thrive. Uh, we've got people specifically in this country who are in a generational rabbit hole, if you will. That's what I'll call it. And I mean no disrespect because they are using all of the entitlement programs that their their parents used and their parents used, and they don't know any different. And it mm -hmm. goes back to we don't know what we don't know, why we here on this program are trying to bring new choices, choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. There are other alternatives, and that's why we have the guests on that we do, folks. Uh, Noah, I want to thank you again for joining us on the program. I do have three final questions I want sure. to ask you before I let you go that I ask all of my guests. You may have addressed them a little bit in the program, but I like to ask them directly. However, before I do, I need to address you, the listener and the viewer, and let you know that we're here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m. and 9 a.m. Wednesdays for our special edition of Tell Me Your Story. We podcast uh, those uh, programs uh, in their entirety on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other locations uh, that uh, you can find. All you have to do is probably put into Google, tell me your story, Richard Dugan. Boom! There you go. We are also on YouTube where you can watch these interviews as well at YouTube. Tell me your story, Richard Dugan. Just look for the guy with the black hat. We uh, ask that you participate in the decade of perfect vision. This goes to what you were talking about a few moments ago, Noah. And that mm. is we ask you to spend time, even if it's just 60 seconds, spending time in that quiet, peaceful, still place, that inner space of you listening to that still, small voice for that insight, encouragement, enlightenment, edification, uh, maybe just a, a kind word that will get you through the day. Uh, you'll get that. That's where the perfect vision is, 2020, during the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s. And if you would like to support the work that we're doing here on the program, we would greatly appreciate any amount. Uh, we have a PayPal account. It's for your security as well as ours. 
And um, when you go there and you want to send whatever amount you'd like to send, they're going to ask you for the email address of the receiver, and it would be richard at richarddugan.com. And that goes towards what we're doing here on the program, taking care of the podcast site where we load the uh, podcasts and so forth, as well as the videos. So uh, if you can do so, we would greatly appreciate it. And thank you, thank you, thank you to those who have helped and those who will help. And with that, uh, I move into what I have dubbed, uh, uh, Noah, the game show portion of our program where we ask the three final questions. And uh, he is ready. He's got his he's got his hands <laughs> ready to go. We got the energy flowing. And the first of those three questions, not to get too silly here, uh, the first of those three questions is, who is... Noah Hammond Terrell. I'm no one. <laughs> I mean, I'm a guy on, on a mission. I don't know why I'm on that mission, but for me, it's always been about learning. I've been a constant consumer of more and more knowledge, more and more knowledge. And that's led me to the spiritual path I'm on. That's led me to daily meditation. That's led me to being uh, a coach and a mentor for others and, you know, ultimately it's led me back to myself. And the reason I say I'm no one is because when you start to have even a, the slightest inkling of who you really are, you're one with the big love. I'm you, I'm me, I'm, I'm the people listening to the show. And, and while that sounds super abstract, like I said, you can look at thousands of people's near-death experiences and what they say is they return to a oneness experience. And I truly believe and have whatever smallest inkling and taste of that from my decade plus of, of deep spiritual practice. So, you know, I'm a servant, I'm here to serve and um, I appreciate the opportunity to do so. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now? I want to be the best in the world at helping to people to feel good naturally. That's, that's the mission statement that's on my wall. I'm always looking at how can I further my ability to help other people feel good naturally. That's what's led to the creation of the feel good library. It's what's led to this company. And it's all the work that I've done um, my whole career, just in various forms. All right. How do I help people feel good? Because I truly believe that when you feel good, you do good. And we're all about being the change we want to see in the world. Well, when we feel good, we are that change. You know, when we hold the big love within us, like the great beings, Christ and the Buddha and Gandhi, all these beings, they held such a high vibration within themselves that they carried the weight of the world with them. Mm. Right. And that's truly what's possible for all beings and uh, sort of the highest evolution that you can reach in a human body. <laughs> and finally, what is your life's purpose? To help people feel good naturally. Mm. I have, I have, I have a, another version of that. That's sort of my private version where I say with courage, I give my life in service to humanity's evolution, which carries with it a lot of weight. I, I came up with that statement in 2011 and it's a couple of years into my coaching and teaching and mentoring journey. And it has taken me down paths of utter ego dissolution and, and, and times and intensities in my life that I never thought I would face. I, you know, built a seven figure company by the age of 25 and thought that I was just the shit that I just so smart. I just knew everything. 
And over the course of this intention to give my life in service to humanity's evolution, yeah. I have been deconstructed, ripped apart, and shown truly what it means to be on a human journey and all the pain that it can be and all the glory that it truly is and how to transcend from one to the other. And I'm so grateful for the whole experience. I could have never asked for it, but I'm so glad I received it. And it's that larger intention that brought it into my experience. Mm. So be careful what you ask for people. <laughs> this is true. But, um, you know, uh, sometimes when you get it, it doesn't look how you think it's going to look right. Like the genie in the bottle, but that's, that's what I'm about, man. It's about, Together, as, as a unified human family, we can evolve to greater states of love, compassion, connectedness, um, giving back to one another, and truly end all this insane war and pestilence and poverty and violence and all the, uh, the stuff that comes out of hurt people hurting people. I truly believe that we can usher in peace on earth, goodwill towards all. And and on a world that truly thrives in all senses of the word, and uh, I think that's where we're headed. We're in an age of enlightenment, so I know it's the natural order of things at the moment mm-hmm. to head in that direction. And I'm just trying to play my small part in in facilitating that. There is a collective wave of change makers like yourself, like myself, like so many others, and together. I'm positive that that's the change we're making happen on this planet right now, even if at times it looks doubtful. Yeah, <laughs> this is true. And I'm still optimistic as well. Uh, but I will also add one other thing that Fernando Lamas once said uh, regarding uh, feeling good. Uh, when you, you feel good, you look good. And you look marvelous. And this <laughs> has been Tell Me Your Story. And thank you so much for joining us. We're going to have you back to talk more about the work you're doing, but also more of the coaching and uh, the guruing. <laughs> that you're doing as well out of the (laughs) mountains of Utah. Uh, And I thank you again so much for joining us on the program. Thanks for having me, Richard. It's been a pleasure. And I thank you for listening and watching Tell Me Your Story, new paradigms for a new world. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to lull.